Welcome back to another week of the Oklahoma Sports Bros podcast, and it's another dismal week. Although there are some bright spots for Tulsa, and then there were some really not bright <laughs> spots for Tulsa too. So um, I'm going to go dismal all around. How how are you guys feeling this week? Oh, I went three and zero, so like fifty fifty. You know, right. that's good. It's all sad. all about you, Perkins. I'm glad. You know. You know, you asked, and it's about me. So it's my world. You guys just live in it. Um, <laughs> Brian, how are you? Uh, well, I went one and two, so I can't even lean on my own uh, <laughs> good things. So I don't know. I'm here. Well, yeah, it was kind of kind of bad weekend all around. Tulsa does come out with the dub. Um, but we'll we'll finish there because there's a lot of news coming out of Tulsa. Um, we'll start off with OU. OU goes up to Lubbock, Texas, out there in West Texas, and loses to the Red Raiders, 51 to 48, in overtime, in a shootout of old Big 12 fashion. And it was honestly, it was a weird game all around. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, OU jumps out to a huge lead, then blows said huge lead, and um, it's just a disaster from there. The defense can't stop anybody after the first quarter. They, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. They played just an awful game on defense, and their offense at times was good, and then their offense at times was. Not good, but they put up 48 points, so that should be in itself enough to win any game, and it was not. So this one definitely goes on the defense. There was, There is still some play calling on the other side of the ball where we're having three and outs that take less than a minute off the clock, and it's just really hard for a defense to get rested and get back and – learn from their mistakes in under a minute. So altogether, not not a great game. Um, you see Marvin Mims have an absolute crazy game. Theo Weiss had a crazy game. Um, and some of these receivers are starting to show some of their abilities. Marvin Mims with probably one of the top five catches of the year off the back of the Red Raiders defender and – uh, even that, that, that's probably the one bright spot of the game. Dylan Gabriel has over 400 yards, throws for six tuds, and still we, we he turns the ball over one time, but that one interception was huge for Texas Tech. Gave them the ball. They scored off of it late in uh, uh, towards the end of the half, and Texas Tech goes in down one instead of down eight, or if OU were to keep the ball – and more than likely score at least three, then they go into the halftime up 11 to 14 to 15. So all, all around, it's just a comedy of errors. Um, offense offense had its moments where it played really, really well. Obviously, if you put up 48 points against anybody, you're playing well. But then they couldn't, they couldn't bail out the defense like the old offenses of past that have been absolutely extraordinary 
this offense just it played well, but it it got stopped at times. And when your defense plays like it did, that it's just not enough. There's not a whole lot of in depth I can go into this game that's going to give us really any insight um, into what happened. Ryan, what what did you see? Man, I saw another classic uh, OU Texas Tech game for sure. Um, it was really weird because they got up twenty four to six there in the second quarter, and I honestly, in my mind, thought the game was over just as well as they played. But uh, I think we saw what uh, if OSU had any sort of offense, this is what Bedlam could have been. OU gets out to a huge lead, and then just kind of uh, doesn't take control after that and kind of lays on the lead and Texas tech actually has offense and is able to, to come back and they made it a game really before halftime, even though, even it was a one point game, I think. So, uh, and then the second half was basically just a back and forth, you know, battle where no defense could really get stops. And, and yeah, down the stretch, there were chances for OU to make plays to, uh, take momentum back and win the game. And they just, they just couldn't ever, uh, officially do it. Um, you know, overtime was kind of weird. I actually, I don't, it looked to me, honestly, I know this isn't the point, but it looked to me like that field goal actually may have been good. And I have experience in that area because 2011 Iowa state OSU had a very similar thing where the ball basically goes straight over the upright and they call it no good. And apparently that's supposed to mean that it, it is good if it's, if it's over the upright. But uh, anyway, that was kind of weird. But um, but overall, yeah, just it, it was really a lot of their games this year have, have come down to this where they have a chance late in the fourth quarter to make a play, usually on defense, to win the game or, or at least to take control and uh, give their offense a chance to win the game. And uh, they just are unable to do it. So I think uh, other than the Texas Tech and TCU games where your quarterback goes down and you're, you're out, um, Dylan Gabriel, most of the TCU game and then the Texas game, but the other four losses on the schedule were all within one score and they all felt kind of winnable. And unfortunately they just, uh, again, could not get over the hump there near the end. Yeah. And this is kind of the opposite of last year's team. Last year's team had six wins by one score. This year's team has four wins or four losses by one score or less. It's just like all the luck we had last year, um, and by luck, I mean Caleb Williams, um, was we got bailed out with all that because of the talent we had. And we just, we just don't, we can't figure out how to win games down the stretch. And like you said, the field goal may have been good, but that's, that's beyond the point. We shouldn't give up 48 points to te- or 51 points to tech, period. So even if that field goal is good, we may be going to a second overtime, maybe. If tech and tech played really conservative in the overtime period because they knew all they had to do was kick field goals. So I don't know. I this game is not not a great one for me. It, it's got me down on them. Um, they do get to go to a bowl game, get fifteen extra practices, so that's nice. Um, but it's just. Ugh. This this one just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. This is not a tech team that should have been able to hang with this OU team. But that's been a theme all year. This tech team has hang, hung 
with some good teams. They actually beat Texas, and they played OSU really tight, and they had other games where it was close. So maybe, maybe I'm just off on that. Maybe this Tech team was really talented, and I'm just being way too hard on OU. But I, I just think the standard of OU should be better than six and six. I think that um, we shouldn't rely on a field goal that may or may not have been missed um, for us to go go into the next overtime period. Like, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. Perk, what do you want to add? Oh, man, what do I want to add? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I want to add. Uh, Ryan, uh, I was very much on the same page, well, almost. You had mentioned that the score, and you're like, oh, oh, you got up so much. Uh, I remember I – I was actually at dinner at the time. I didn't get to watch too much of the game, but every now and then I was able to kind of glance over at the TV. And I saw that uh, right at the end of the second quarter or right in the second quarter, I saw like, Oh, OU has, you know, this big lead. And I thought to myself, oh, this is bedlam. I said, right here, right now. I thought, I thought to myself, I will not be surprised if they do not score again and somehow pull out like a defensive win. Obviously they score again. But I 100% like agree, kind of like the the thought of like this is what Bedlam could have been, like was in my mind, 100%. So I agree with that, Ryan. But um, I didn't get to watch too much of it. I have seen most of the highlights, but at this point, you know, you guys kind of did a good coverage of it. So I'm not sure what how much more I can add. Just besides, I'm kind of getting tired of watching know you lose, and I'm hoping it changes next year. Well. Uh, yeah, I, I would uh, – I hope that too. And I, I hope we can go into the bowl game and finish off with a <clears> – at least a decent performance in the bowl game. It'll be an, an interesting to see who all we get back. There's always rumors of flying at this point of the season now with the transfer portal and people going to the draft and people sitting out the bowl game and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see who all – stays around um somebody tried to tell me that dylan gabriel wasn't coming back and i think that's just absolute baloney like it wouldn't make any sense for him to not come back unless he's trying to transfer to another school which in that case you had a six and six season as our starting quarterback you're not going to get to a better school than oklahoma where are you going like, unless you're just scared of the competition with Jackson Arnold, that doesn't make any sense. I think he'll be back. I think that's just some baloney, like I was saying. And then um, we've seen stuff all day over Theo Weiss, but then Theo Weiss himself tweets out an NIL collective from OU um, saying, please donate to this. So that doesn't make any sense in itself. So all kinds of rumors flying, not not really a whole lot of concrete evidence, um, a lot of smoke without finding any flame yet. So I don't know what's true and what's not, so I don't really want to comment too much on that. But <coughs> OU has had some pretty big recruiting gets. They got a JUCO All-American out of NEO um, here this past week. They've, um, they've been – putting a bunch of players on flip watch Peyton Boehm who's committed to Notre Dame is on flip watch um 
David Hicks, who's committed to A&M's on Flip Watch for OU. All these guys are um, on this watch from all these recruiting analysts saying that they are going to flip to OU, which I'll believe it when I see it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. If they don't sign on the dotted line here in a week or two, I don't remember. I think it's a couple weeks. Then I'll, I I don't believe it. So, but um, it, if we can salvage the recruiting class, go out with a solid performance in the bowl, I'll say it was not a good year, but a good enough year. It, it did what it had to. It was the transition period, and it'll be interesting. We also – we did get a commit of a defensive tackle that was at Notre Dame. Um, honestly, not sure how good he's going to be, but if he's recruited by Notre Dame, he's got to be pretty decent. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, other than that, not a whole lot of news so far going into this off season. Well, I guess it's not technically off season yet into this bowl season. Um, it's kind of weird not having an Oklahoma team into uh, the big 12 championship and nothing to talk about. So Ryan, I'll kick it to you. How, uh, how did OSU do? Uh, not much better. So OSU loses to West Virginia, uh, 24 to 19 in Stillwater. Super rainy day. It was it was a lot like when OU went to Morgantown a couple weeks ago. Just terrible weather, cold and rainy and windy. Uh, real quick, if I had told you, as a West Virginia fan, before the season you're going to beat OU and OSU, but you're going to fire your coach, which they haven't done yet. Um, they may not actually do it, but they go five and seven with wins over OU and OSU. Um. So OSU, honestly, their defense played really well for the most part. So there were three plays that really lost this game. Uh, so in the first quarter, OSU punts from their own end zone, and it goes out of bounds at the 36. So basically West Virginia has the ball in OSU territory. Garrett Green just takes off basically wide open, 36-yard touchdown run right up the middle. And that's all they got in the first half was that one touchdown there on the short field. Um, but it was just a wide open play where there was nobody uh, within five yards of them to get a tackle in. And then second half, they had basically their first two drives of the second half. Their running back, Jalen Anderson, had two straight 50-plus yard touchdown runs where he basically took a handoff running to the outside. The, the first one was to the left, and then he cut back right. And there was nobody in the back end of the defense, and he just ran wide open for a touchdown. And that was basically the same exact thing two plays later uh, for them. Uh, he took off to the right and then cut back left, and there was just – there's nobody. And so um, that was – those are their three touchdowns in the game. And they didn't throw the ball well. They only had 77 passing yards total, uh, but 250 rushing yards. And of those 250, 147 of them were on those three touchdown runs. So – it, I I think we've seen this. We saw this a lot, especially early in the year uh, against. I remember Arizona State was this way. That basically they played really well for most of the game, but they had these huge plays that they would give up passing and running, and, and that was really what cost them in this game defensively. Um, 
but aside from those big plays, defense played really well. And kind of an embarrassing thing is that this was West Virginia. Basically, this was their bowl game because they played. They didn't play JT Daniels at all. They played Garrett Green, who I think is better anyway, but he's been their backup most of the year. And then they basically split time with him and their third string quarterback, about 60-40 split, and I guess just to see what they had in him. Um, But that's what, you know, teams that make bowl games, that's kind of what they use bowl games for usually, especially the one if you end up six, six and six or seven and five, and you're not in a very important bowl game, you'll use that to kind of get a look at some guys that – you normally wouldn't play so that's kind of what West Virginia did in this game and and OSU still couldn't beat them so that's that's pretty sad but um but yeah defensively like I said you know there's some positives to take away just got to figure out how to limit those chunk plays um because West Virginia is not very good especially offensively but uh OSU's offense wasn't much better so they start Garrett Rangel instead of Spencer Sanders who was on the sideline. It was senior day. Um, he walked uh, on senior day. We got his flowers, and so I don't know if that means he's gone for sure. Haven't heard anything. We'll see. But they start Garrett Rangel, who looked about like he did in the Kansas game. Look, this was a basically like I said, rainy all game long, and in the second half it got uh, really, really bad. I mean, heavy downpour. Um, and despite that, they still had him throw over 40 times in this game. So clearly they're wanting to see what they have in him. I'm excited to see him whenever he takes over. I, I believe at some point he'll take over here in the next year or two. Um, so he had, uh, several missed throws, uh, but several good throws and a lot of drops by the receivers, which is understandable with a, a rainy game. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to judge the offense on a, as the whole, uh, due to the weather, but, uh, you do what you can and we have to talk about what we see. And what I saw was, um, an offense that against maybe the worst team in the conference, um, them or Iowa state, I guess, but Iowa state has a pretty good defense. West Virginia doesn't. And, and against that defense, they still couldn't even get to 20 points. And uh, there were a couple of um, complaints I had coaching-wise. Imagine that. So they get to a fourth and one at the West Virginia 7. Near halftime, about five minutes till halftime. And they actually run up to the line, hurry up, and, and are about to go for it. And I'm all in favor of it. The idea is you get up to the line and you know, keep them, uh, keep the defense from getting set and, and they're out of position and you can get a yard. Well, they go up there and then they basically wait and then Gundy calls a timeout because he panics. And I I fully believe at that point, he's calling a timeout to kick the field goal to go up 10 to seven. But then I think he goes back and forth during the timeout and then decides, well, we're going to go for it and puts him back out there. But this gives West Virginia, obviously time to, you know, figure out what they're going to do on defense. So they get set. And I'm thinking, just be creative. Just don't run it up the middle. That's all you got to do. Don't run it right up the middle. And of course they run it right up the middle and get stuffed. So, um, you know, I don't agree. I agree. If if you're going to go for it, go for it, but do it in that moment where they're still fumbling around trying to get set on defense. Cause that's what most teams do. So anyway, didn't do that. 
didn't get any points. And then the next drive, they get down to a first and goal at the four yard line and then can't punch it in, uh, end up kicking a field goal. So they, they get up 10, seven there, but they had two chances right before half inside the 10 yard line and came away with only three points. So, uh, that's kind of what the offense did to contribute to losing the game. But even with all this down the stretch there, they're down 24, 19 with about three minutes left and they have the ball and they're driving. They actually figured out how to run the ball in the second half. Um, Part of that was just putting Ollie Gordon in, who I will talk about in a little bit. But they figured out how to run the ball in a rainy game where you shouldn't be throwing all that much anyway. And they have a third and seven on West Virginia's 32. You got to go in and score a touchdown to win this game. Here's where play calling comes into play for me and my biggest gripe uh, for this game. Third and seven, J.P. Richardson runs a four-yard cut to the sideline. Rangel hits him because he catches everything. But that gets them to a fourth and three. I don't know why a four-yard cut route to the sideline is even in play at this point on a third and seven. Um, So that's my first uh, complaint. And then they have a fourth and three. Have to have it to win this game. And this may be the dumbest play call I've I've seen all year, which is saying a lot uh, for OSU. They have Ollie Gordon. Again, love Ollie Gordon. They shift him out from running back to receiver. And then I believe he's running some sort of like swing route to the sideline. But he gets kind of slowed down by his defender. And Rangel drops back and immediately just throws this ball out like it was like it, that was the only place that he was going to go with the ball. Like that's what they called is, Hey, you're going to hike the ball. You're going to throw it. Hopefully all he's there. He throws this ball 25 yards downfield on a fourth and three. And you have Braden Johnson wide open over the middle at the first down marker. Stefan Johnson totally fooled his defender um, and juked out left. And he was wide open for a first down. But by the time they were both open, he had already let go of the ball and, uh, so that's pretty dumb to me when you need three yards and you throw it 20 downfield to a running back who hasn't really played much this year. Uh, so, and I, you know, thought the game was over then. Well, OSU gets a stop and gets another chance. And then they get the ball right near midfield with about a minute and a half left. And they'd been running the ball all second half. They've been able to run the ball. Ollie was about eight yards a carry. DeAndre Jackson was about five yards per carry. And you have a minute and a half left and a timeout. And you're at midfield. So the one time I want them to run the ball, they instead go five wide on first down. And Rangel throws a pass 40 yards downfield, which is underthrown and incomplete. Second down, all receivers go basically like four verts in uh, NCAA where you just have all four receivers run out and there's nobody within 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. But this one actually was a great pass by Rangel hit Braden Johnson right in the hands, but he drops it because it's uh, it's raining like crazy out there. But uh, if he catches that, he it's at about the 15 yard line and they have about a minute left. So obviously that would have been great if it happened, but again, you've got to figure out in the elements, you've got to, figure out what plays to call and two deep passes uh, to get you to a third and 10 when you have to score a touchdown here is not the way to do it. So, and then third and fourth down, he has two short passes that both get dropped. So uh, overall that 
those last two drives, absolute terrible play calling, mind-blowingly bad play calling um, there when you have a chance to win the game. So um, lots of complaints there. Obviously, I've aired my grievances last week, and I will probably continue to do so over the next few weeks. But, uh, yeah, even despite all the nonsense in the first half and the wide-open touchdowns uh, for West Virginia, you still had multiple chances to win this game, and you just offense couldn't do it. Um, so those are my those are my uh, complaints. But I mentioned Ollie Gordon. They finally let Ollie Gordon loose in this game, and he did not disappoint. Uh, he played most of the second half. He had a little bit in the first half, but – Second half, he really went off. He finished with 136 yards and a touchdown. And, uh, I mean, he's different. He just – I talked about him a year ago when they signed him, and he looked every bit of that high four-star, just difference maker at running back. So I'm hoping that since he actually got to play, that means that uh, he's going to stick stick around in Stillwater and, and be back next year. And if he does, I'm super excited to see uh, what he can do. But um, other than Ollie Gordon, there wasn't really a lot to be excited about uh, in this game. So not a great day in Stillwater. If I'm being completely honest, I did not watch the OSU game this week because Mexico and Argentina were playing in the World Cup at the same time. Uh-huh. And I had to watch my boy Messi. So more important. Uh, uh yeah, it's more it was more important than watching a seven and five and five and seven team go at it. So yeah. Um but Messi did win and put on a stellar performance, in case you were wondering. Uh, but I did uh did go back and watch through some of the highlights and stuff and I I've heard a lot of OSU fans talking. If you had to guess today, Ryan. And I'm not saying that you're calling for it, but would you say that there will be changes on the coaching staff before next year for OSU? Uh, If I had to guess, I would assume yes. There will be some sort of change. I don't know who that would be. I would guess either offensive line or offensive coordinator, but I wouldn't be able to tell you who has a better shot out of those two of getting the can. Um, I know that something has to change. That's all I know. Yeah. I know it's it's kind of unfair because of all I mean they did have an ungodly amount of injuries this year that they had to work through. So and obviously your starting quarterback was hurt basically all of the conference schedule. So I understand there's there's things there, but again, all coaches go through injuries and the good ones find ways to uh have success around those injuries and Ours did not, so clearly something is uh, wrong there and needs to change. Yeah, that's one thing I'll say about um, on the OU side, we didn't really talk about, is uh, coaching staff changes. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure if there will be any, um, but I do think we need a wide receivers coach. As many drops as we've had this year at wide receiver, um, I do think that's one that is a possibility i'm not calling for the guy's job i think uh he stepped in in a tough situation after the kale gundy thing and uh stepped up but um i think if ou were to have to get rid of somebody that would be one of their scapegoats and then the defensive coordinator um also because even though we all know that 
Brent's running the defense. The defensive coordinator's just a, a scapegoat there. He's just somebody who's there um, that they could get rid of. But I, I don't know that OU will make any changes. But one team that we do know will make changes is Tulsa, Ryan. Um, Tulsa played at the same time as um, OU, correct? Yeah, they played uh, both at the same time, so I had to kind of watch both. And uh, um, they're, they're obviously going to be making some coaching changes um, this year, right? Yeah, so Tulsa, after winning their last game of the season um, to end, I believe it was 5-7, and seven, they uh, fire Philip Montgomery, and I think a lot of us may have seen that coming, especially – over the last few weeks after it came clear that they weren't going to make a bowl game. Um, it's really sad. I mean, Montgomery, everything I hear, he's a great guy and uh, players love him and uh, just tough. I mean, he was 43 and 53 at Tulsa. So just never really got things turned around, had a couple of first round draft picks and Zayvon Collins and uh, Tyler Smith last year. Um did a lot of great things and unfortunately just couldn't really uh, get Tulsa back to winning football. So um, it's tough. I hate it, but I understand it. And there's a lot of guys that are rumored, not even rumored, but just people are throwing out there as names. Um, there's a few that that I'm kind of intrigued about. the The top name so far seems to be G.J. Kenny, who was Tulsa's quarterback uh, back in the I think 2009 to 2012, kind of in that era. And he's actually been uh, head coach at Incarnate Word this year and has them like number one in their division and whatever, whatever. Uh, oh. They're in the, the private the Catholic school. That, but. The name that uh, intrigued me the most was the Seth Latrell down there from North Texas. Yeah, I saw that too. And, you know, former OU running back who actually is from Muskogee. So he's he's one of my guys. And uh, I would I would absolutely love if Seth Latrell um, got the job there. I don't know how big a step up from North Texas to Tulsa is. I know it is a step up. I just don't know. Um, if he'd want Plus, to make that change or not, but um, it's just but de- going from what is that conference USA up to the AAC? It's not really, yeah, level wise. I, I bet North Tulsa's pro or North Texas is better than Tulsa, but um, but I just think that conference wise, and you, you probably make a little bit more money going to Tulsa, yeah. So well, they, uh, yeah, so he's definitely uh, one of those guys, and he's never been linked with Tulsa or anything, but he's from here, obviously, and um, grew up here in Muskogee, so he's, he'd be coming back home in a sense. Um, but uh, GJ Kenny's a, he's been coaching, he's actually been at seven different places uh, in the last seven years, believe it or not. But he's been, uh, he was actually went to the NFL for a little bit as a backup quarterback but then he's been a assistant coaches at smu arkansas spent one year with the eagles in the nfl and then was oc and quarterbacks coach at hawaii and then ucf and then 
this year incarnate word hired him as their their head coach so um kind of been everywhere including hawaii and ucf so uh those are some fun places to be but um so he's a guy um joe gillespie's a guy who was their dc for several years here and then just went to be with sunny dykes at tcu and has tcu 12 and 0 i mean their defense obviously in their their strongest point but he has them undefeated and you know who knows maybe he wants to come back and be a head coach back in tulsa i think that would be a a good hire as well um also matt wells who's uh on ou staff right now is a former tu assistant so he's he's one guy they've kind of thrown out there um so there's a ton of guys that you know are kind of have ties to tulsa that are potential uh candidates and obviously i'm sure we'll hear other names coming about here in a while i know they have to make a decision pretty quick and i'm hoping um that they kind of already figured out who they want before they fire him i think that's always a a pretty smart thing to do i saw a tweet um from inside tulsa sports on twitter uh, they said sources close to the program indicate gj kenny's representatives first contacted tulsa's officials a couple of weeks ago um, but then they said it's believed uh, Matt Wells uh, has shown interest as well. So um, sounds like maybe there's there's been a little bit in the works in the background here. So uh, we'll see kind of uh, what comes about. I'm sure we'll find out, you know, pretty soon, I would say within the next two to three weeks, if I were to guess. Um, obviously no bowl game to prepare for, so uh, they don't have to worry about that, but um but yeah sad sad news getting rid of phil montgomery but uh i understand it and if they you know if they want to get to be where they want to go uh they're making the decision that's right for them so um you guys have any thoughts on montgomery i honestly i've thought it's time for him to go for a long time now um I think Zayvon Collins saved his job there for a couple of years, got him a big extension, and then uh, he, he just kind of rode that. He's had very undisciplined teams. And um, from what I hear and from the reaction around the media is that he was a great guy, and that may have also saved his job, like him just being a genuine great guy. Um, but as far as it goes, his football program uh, – I don't think they've needed to, they've been where they've needed to be and it is a cutthroat business. Um, and it, it just, it was a change that needed to happen. Um, a fresh mind may come in and be able to, um, change things there. And also it's just, it's something that may, or, um, it, it very well may lead to something better especially if they land a coach like Matt Wells who has been at Texas tech or um, what, what's his name? Kenny. Mm -hmm. um, if they land him, who's having a great season at incarnate word, if they can go out and land some recruits, um, that's one of the biggest complaints I've had about the Texas or the Tulsa staff that is there is they didn't recruit Oklahoma. Like how, how do you not recruit your home state? and get the best play, best that that level of player from your own state. Like these players are going to play in the Mac instead of going to Tulsa when you obviously 
have better players in the state and you're going elsewhere. Uh, that never made sense to me. But um, I don't know. It's just I think it's been a long time coming. But um, hopefully he lands on his feet. Hopefully he finds um, his next job. Or if he doesn't want a, another job, I guess, hopefully he retires in peace and can do whatever he wants to and go play golf. But I think this is a move that Tulsa had to make if they wanted to be competitive in the AAC again. Yeah, I agree. You've got a lot of good teams in the AAC now. As we saw, Cincinnati uh, just fired – or not fired. They lost Luke Fickle um, going to Wisconsin, well, which is pretty crazy. But they're actually coming weird, to the Big 12. So. Like, what a weird move. Yeah. Like, Luke Fickle turns down all the big, big jobs last year and then decides to go back another year, and then he, he takes Wisconsin? Wisconsin. That just doesn't make, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't no, know. No. I don't know his ties or anything. I don't know where he's from. Maybe he's from there, but that that just seems like an odd career choice after you went back to Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like Cincinnati's coming to the Big Twelve next year, so it's not like he's going up to a you know higher level conference. You're going to the Big Ten when you were going to be in the Big Twelve. So I, I was kind of weird to. Uh, yeah, he could have been a a legend at Cincinnati if he'd stayed there and, you know, made them the power of the big 12 here in the next few years, but uh, to each his own, that's, that's what he wants to do. But anyway, back to, uh, to Tulsa, they actually, uh, despite losing their coach, they, they won this past week to end their season. They beat a Houston team that uh, Zach and I both thought would beat them pretty bad. And Perkins had, faith in them and they came through for him so Braylon Braxton uh had a breakout game he had 316 passing yards with three touchdowns and then 51 rushing yards and another touchdown which was a 37 yard run that should be on a a sports center top 10 list I don't know if it was but uh several broken tackles and and just made guys look silly uh, as he ran in for the touchdown so uh great game from Braylon Braxton. Um looked really good throwing from the pocket. Uh obviously he has some great receivers to throw to, but he was composed and against a Houston team on the road. Uh he was basically the best player on the field. And then uh JC Santana was incredible outside with 169 yards and two touchdowns. Um Keelan Stokes didn't have his best game. He had a couple of drops, but he finished with a touchdown and uh, had about 47 yards. Um, He finished the season with 76 catches, 1,224 yards and eight touchdowns. So it's an incredible season. I think we all kind of predicted that he would have a a season like this, Um, but he was great all year finished as a Blitnikoff semifinalist and hopefully he gets a chance in the NFL. I think he, uh, he can definitely do some stuff. He finished 33rd all time in uh, college football with 3,774 career receiving yards. So props to him. We will miss you, Keelan. Um, you're so much fun to watch for the last four years, four or five years. And uh, best of luck to you in the future. Um, defense played well enough to win. And against a Tulsa team that, or sorry, a Houston team that averaged, I think 37 points a game. They held them to 30. Um, 
So it was a, you know, overall just a, one of those gutsy wins where you had the best player on the field as your quarterback and you got more stops than the other team got. So, uh, so great job for Tulsa coming out with a win to end the year. Uh, even though it, you know, they end up five and seven, a little bit under expectations, but you know, you lost your defensive coordinator and a couple of offensive linemen to the NFL and Shamari Brooks at running back. So you lost a lot. And, uh, you know, some of that stuff just was, especially the offensive line was just really hard to overcome for them. Um, but they, uh, kind of finish on an up note and obviously losing your coach, you know, who knows who they're going to hire, but they got a lot of, a lot of guys coming back. Um, there is, there's some, you know, not concern, but just they're losing JC Santana and Keelan Stokes, uh, at receiver and, and Isaiah Epps. So three of your top four receivers are are going to be gone next year um so you've got malachi jones probably as your number one next year and and then some younger guys are are going to have to step in and uh play play their uh new roles in in that offense so um one more piece of news for tulsa is today davis brennan entered the uh, transfer portal at quarterback and um you know, part of this may be due to the coach, but I also think that just I think you may see the the writing on the wall there that Braylon Baxton, you know, it's kind of his team. Uh, I think the way he played down the stretch uh, this season when Bryn got hurt, uh, I think Braxton has the job next year, and I think he uh, he looks like he could be really good. So I think maybe Davis Bryn just kind of wanted to get into the portal and see if there's a another place he can land because I mean he's got an NFL arm. Well, I don't know about, you know, his, um, mobility or, or any of that, but he can make the throws if he's got time. So if he can go somewhere that has maybe a good offensive line, um, you know, maybe he can have a good season and, and, uh, try to catch on in the NFL down the road. It's just so sad to, to see him go. Mm-hmm. Mark, you're such I, a, such he, a hypocrite on Twitter. I, <laughs> I was gonna say I I tweeted at him and I was like you know sad day but best of luck. Like that's that's the nicest thing you've ever said about him. Like why would you say sad day when you've trashed this man the entire time he's played at Tulsa, and now you're like oh it's a sad day now. Listen, listen, you gotta have you gotta you gotta hold face. Is that what that what the the phrase is? You know, but no, no, I wish the best for him. Just not at Tulsa, you know. I, I, you know, I. Hopefully, he goes, you know, somewhere great and goes on to become the best NFL quarterback to ever exist. I just don't think he'll do that at Tulsa. So, I wish him the best. You know, sad day. Uh, can't wait to see Tulsa start winning again. So that's going to be great. Uh, you know, with uh, Montgomery gone. Uh, the this, there's a quote that comes to mind kind of in reference to uh, to that and it's actually a quote by a singer and the clean version of it is it's about darn time so uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to see where Tulsa's going because it looks like they're going to start winning and I'm excited hopefully to see that happen so yeah you hope so a singer made that quote. I thought LeBron made that quote. Uh, the the song I quoted, I don't know actually know the name of the song, but the singer's Lizzo. 
So, oh, okay. That's why I don't know. Yeah. It's about darn time, but they don't sure. say darn. So, no. Yeah. Anyway, I can't so Lizzo and Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Perks the pop culture reference of the pod. Yeah. It's not that hard to keep up with pop culture. I'm telling you. Oh, it is. Perkins, have you uh, <laughs> have you watched Lindsay's new movie yet? The Christmas movie it yet? I, it's actually pretty good. Good. We're. Uh, I do recommend it. It's on our Netflix uh, list to watch. We just haven't got there yet. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. We'll watch it. All right. That uh, and the new so, yeah. uh, Jason Momoa. That's a good one too. Mm. Anyway, back to football. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, Tulsa finishes five and seven. OU finishes six and six. OSU seven and five. Uh, I think every team kind of underperformed based on what we thought they would be, so that's not great. But uh, just a weird season. It's. I mean, I'm sad that it's over, but I'm also like, it's okay that it's over. Because I don't know about you guys, but I just got to where I kind of dread. I didn't dread Saturday, but I was just not excited about Saturday like I I normally am. Yeah, um, I get that. Last few weeks, yeah. I definitely get that. Even even this Saturday on conference championship day, normally I'm like, it's a holiday for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i not even sure I'm going to watch any of them. Like I, I'm going to Tulsa and I'm going to go do some things in Tulsa on Saturday. And just I'm not even sure I'll watch many of the games. Maybe if I sit down at a restaurant or something, might yeah. pull it up on my phone. But I don't know. It's just – it's been a depressing season and – um it's a it's a blow, but it's hopefully hopefully we come back stronger, um, both teams, and um, we can um, have another successful year next year, and uh, get back to our winning ways and our dominating ways, at least for OU. I hope OSU gets back to their eight and four, nine and three ways. Yeah, I hope so, so as well. Eight but, and four sounds a lot better than seven and five. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So anyway, trust me. Well, seven, five sounds a lot better than six and six. That's true. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I should be thankful we're not six and six. Uh, yeah, we'll find out. I think uh, probably by the next time we record, we'll know the bowl games. I think they'll pick those next Sunday, right? Yeah, they announce on the fourth. So we'll kind of uh maybe preview those next week or at least kind of talk about them a little bit um till then we've got a week of of conference championships like you mentioned zach and uh some interesting games and then some not so interesting games but uh we've got to make our our picks here so zach uh since you went zero and three last week i'm gonna let you go first what is your first pick this week well my first pick is uh, I'm going with Old Faithful. That is actually, I've never actually won for me, but I'm picking against USC again. Um, Utah <laughs> over US, Utah plus three over USC. All right. So first pick, Utah's beaten them once this season. Um, Utah has finally come back and is, uh, it seems like they're fully healthy again. So that'll be uh, interesting to see how that works out for them um but that that's why i'm picking utah over usc and Mm. i just want usc to lose with all of my heart (laughs) all right well i'm sorry but i am uh going against you here 
Because my first pick is, is USC minus three. Blasphemy. Sorry. I know I, you know, I'm not an OU fan, so I, I think it's okay for me to do it, but I think the way <laughs> Caleb Williams, I'm sorry, everybody, every OU fan right now for what I'm about to say, but I think the way Caleb Williams is playing right now is uh, hard to be stopped. And I think he's gotten even better over the last three or four weeks. And I think it's probably going to be another high scoring game. I think the last one was like 43, 42 or whatever. I think it's going to be similar to that, but I think, um, He's just going to make one or two plays down the stretch to win. I think I think USC is going to win and probably get into the playoff. And uh, Caleb Williams may win the Heisman if that happens. So I, again, I apologize to all the OU fans. Well, I I don't I I don't know why OU fans hate Caleb Williams. Caleb, like if you if you think about it, like and this is a soapbox I say all the time. I don't hate Caleb Williams. I wish him success on the field while losing every game for his coach. But, um, like, <laughs> I, I really hope that he's successful. I think he is great. I think the comparisons to Patrick Mahomes are completely legitimate. That is how he plays. Um, and he was put in a really, really, really tough situation. And while he could have probably handled some things better, he's he was an 18-, 19-year-old kid, like, I don't put it on his shoulders. The The thing that was done wrong was done by a man who was just a coward. So I I, I think Caleb Williams is a good kid, and I, I, I won't be absolutely hurt if he wins the Heisman. I will be absolutely crushed if USC actually makes the playoffs and does well, though. So... <laughs> uh. Where are you going? I actually, I actually uh, work with someone who knows Caleb Williams well, and they say he's just the sweetest kid. That he's just the nicest guy you'll ever meet. So, uh, I you know I'm in the same boat as you. That I, I wish him the best. So, um, but change of tone here. Back to business. You guys have pressured me into it. I'm gonna I'm going all big games this week. Um, you know yeah, that's I, our I fault. felt like. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, uh I just I feel like I needed to stray away from the little games. Mm-hmm. All three of them. And uh I'm sticking with uh I'm going going really big. Uh I believe actually I'm not gonna say that because I don't actually know. LSU versus Georgia. And I'm taking LSU at plus seventeen point five. What do you think LSU wins or do you think they just I think they the I think they cover. Okay. Possible. I mean, the LSU team that just got beat by Texas A&M unfortunately. Yeah. Well, uh with my uh second pick of the week, I guess I uh, I will go I'll go to the Big 12, the Dr Pepper Big 12 Championship. Yeah. Shout out to Dr Pepper. And um, even though it hurts me to do this, I'm going to pick TCU minus two and a half over Kansas State. We can pick the same game this week, guys, because there's so little of them. Yeah, we're going to have to. But TCU or minus two and a half, Kansas State. Yeah. TCU, 
Um, I remember when OU played TCU in the Big 12 championship, I was in there and it was loud. TCU probably only had 30% of the tickets, um, mm-hmm. not legally, but um, but realistically, they probably only had 30% of the crowd and they absolutely were killing it with sound noise. So I can't imagine with the team uh, – when they're not playing an OU that will dominate crowds, how mm-hmm. loud they'll be traveling across Dallas. Like it's probably a 30 minute trip for them. I don't really know what it is, but I would imagine 30 minutes to an hour to Arlington for them. So I think TCU is going to have the home field advantage. I think they'll win this game and I think they'll roll into a college football playoff. Yeah, I'm still not sure what I'm going to do with that game. I don't think I'm going to pick it uh, officially, but it's so weird because TCU, the two thoughts are TCU uh, has barely beaten a bunch of teams and has snuck by and, and, you know, won at the last second or whatever. And at some point that's not going to work. But then the other thought is, well, every time they're in a close game, they find a way to win. So it's, it's hard to uh, kind of, figure out what's going to happen or what kind of team they are. I, uh, I'm going to go for my second pick with a team that I also want to apologize to. And that is the Michigan Wolverines who absolutely dominated Ohio state, uh, last week, especially in the second half, I picked Ohio state, um, to cover, I don't remember what the spread was. I think it was like 10, but I thought Ohio State would basically do what Michigan did to them last week. I didn't think Michigan was very good. They haven't played very many good teams at all this year. And so I thought Ohio State would uh, basically expose them and the exact opposite happened there. So I apologize, Michigan. And I am in turn uh, with my apology, I'm picking Michigan uh, to cover minus 16 and a half versus Purdue and win the big 10 championship and uh, get into the playoff as well. I like that big. Well, yeah. Uh, I am going to go and it's hard to say, hang on. Agree with Zach uh, and take TCU. So, I'm sorry, you're greeting with the person who's in the lead. I'm pretty sure we tied. I don't know. Not until Ryan pulls out the numbers. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that I this week. Speed when he stopped taking count. So I'll do that this <laughs> week, and then I'll I'll uh, fudge the numbers if I need to. No, no. Thank you. No. Uh, stop the count. All right, uh, Zach. <laughs> Third and final pick this week. Third and final pick this week. I'm going with probably the biggest championship game there is this week, mm. and that is your Mountain West Conference yeah. championship game and Boise State versus Fresno State, and I'm picking Boise minus three versus Fresno State. All right. I know nothing about these teams, but Boise State normally wins. So. Yep. Three seems like a small spread, so if I get this one wrong, it's on uh, it's on Perkins. Yeah, I'll Boise take State. That hit. 
see Boise State win on a uh, hook and ladder play and then a Statue of Liberty two-point conversion. Uh, please like do that. it to somebody that's not OU, for the love of God. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Boise State Broncos, minus three. I, uh, I'm going with the other big, huge game, Zach, after yours. I'm going with uh, the American, and I'm going to Lane. Minus three against UCF. Ooh, I think UCF. A... UCF's a um, they're good, uh, no doubt they're good. But I was looking at their schedule and like the last six games, I think they've won by one score. So and some of them were like three points. And Tulane has won pretty comfortably a few times now. Uh, UCF did beat Tulane early in the year by seven, so it's not a perfect uh, analysis, but. Uh, something in me tells me that that Tulane's going to win this game, so I'm picking Tulane minus three. All right, Perk, where are you at? I am going to Subway for the oh, ACC championship. Clemson versus UNC, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm actually avoiding the spread like wildfire. Wow. I'm going to go over under. And I'm going to take the under at 63.5. That's interesting. North Carolina is very high scoring. And uh, Clemson um, normally matches their opponents. So um, that'll be interesting to see. Yep. Of their last five, only two have barely passed. So I'm happy with those Hmm. stats. Listen to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there we go. It's going to be a fun weekend. I think between the three of us, I think we picked all the Power 5 uh, games. At least one of us did. So it's going to be interesting. And there's obviously a lot of a lot of uh, playoff implications for for these games. I think it's I don't know. I don't know that we've ever had a playoff this wide open. Like I literally no. have no clue who will be in it. Yeah. You got Ohio State, who's going to finish with one loss and no conference championship game. Bama's sitting there with two losses, but if all kinds of chaos happens, it's always a chance. I don't think they're going to get in, but you never know. It's Alabama. Could you imagine? Oh. <laughs> It'd be crazy. Um, I guess LSU technically, even if they beat Georgia, I guess there's there's a chance for them. I don't I don't think that they should get in, but with the SEC, you never know. So there's a ton of stuff. USC, obviously. If they win, I think they're probably in. And they always tout conference championships. So yeah. LSU being three losses, would they would they actually hold up to the conference championship thing, mm-hmm. or would they actually go with what we have all known the whole time? Mm. So. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, well, pretty you've also got Clemson at ten and two, and if they were to go on and win sixty three to zero, that put them in the conversation for sure. Um, yeah, is sixty three to zero under your spread? Five point five. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, let's hope that happens. Um, yeah, is there is there any? I mean, I know Drake May is kind of, but like, I feel like I haven't heard Max Duggan's name at all. I feel like it's all been Caleb Williams. But at this point, for Heisman, I mean, is it Caleb Williams and Max Duggan? Is that basically it? Or who? I mean, I heard a lot of Blake Corum, but he didn't play against Ohio State, so I don't know yeah. how I much mean, that 
will play into it. That also kind of feels like he's he's the running he's the because they don't their quarterback isn't yeah like a great quarterback so it feels like well he's the best player on their team so he should be it. I don't know if he's a Heisman level guy, but I guess you have to have however many uh, finalists there are. So, but C.J. Stroud obviously could have been, but but they lost. So, I really I feel like it's Caleb Williams to lose unless he just is terrible and throws three interceptions and they lose this game. I think it's probably it. probably his, but but in Jesus' name, he's going to do that, right, Zach? Um, yeah, in Jesus' name. Sure. <laughs> and and Zach's like, I hope he sports into, into consideration <laughs> when we're praying to him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like Zach's like, I hope he throws for eight hundred yards and zero touchdowns. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be something. I uh, yeah, I hope he gets all the way down to the one yard line, and then the. You receiver fumbles it, and then Utah returns at 99 yards the other way. <laughs> Just eight times. <laughs> but if he threw for 800 yards, though, he'd win the win the thing. Yeah, that's a lot of. But yards. at least they lost. Like that's that's the point we're making. Like he would win, but USC lost. You know, that's that compromise we're making. Yeah, yeah. So fun Saturday. Uh, I'm with you, Zach. I'm actually we're. Uh... I'm going to be tied up most of the day, so I may not get to watch very much football at all, but I will try to watch what I can. Um, moving on, speaking of uh, OU there, actually, we weren't speaking of OU, uh, but OU basketball has actually looked uh, pretty good. They've uh, yeah. since... Yep. Yeah. Their one loss against Sam Houston State is looking even better as Sam it Houston is. State beat Utah... And uh, they're they're getting some wins that nobody thought that they would. So yeah, uh, yeah, they they go up and win. What was it was like some kind of ESPN weird tournament where they beat Nebraska and Old Miss and I can't remember the other team they beat, but they uh, yeah, they, they played the, really well. Yeah, they beat Seton Hall, yeah, which is was... which is always a they're always a good basketball school. So. Um... And then yeah, beat Ole Miss, um, won six straight now. And Ole Miss was undefeated coming into that game too. So um, they're beating some good teams. And I talked about Grant Sherfield last week. He scored twenty five against Seton Hall. So he's continuing to to be that go to scorer for them. And but they Cortez has actually came back. I don't know why he didn't play very early on in the season. I think it was injury related, but he has played some big minutes mm. and it, his stat line doesn't read well but it's kind of like uh bryce thompson last year for uh, osu a lot of times his stat mm-hmm. line may not read very well but he it's it's the impact plays he's made in the making in the game that one mm. pass he's making or that one block so um that that's good to see another okay preps kid getting his opportunity so oh yeah yeah, and they go uh, Saturday. They go to play Villanova, who it sounds like a big game, but Villanova's two and five, which is really weird. So they're normally pretty good, but uh, but it's an eleven thirty game on Saturday on CBS. So a uh, big national stage, and if I think if OU wins that game, they might start getting some some votes in the uh, rankings because I mean they've already beat a few good teams uh, here early in the season and um. You know, they've got a few good ones coming up as well. They've got to play Arkansas, who's ranked, uh, num- I think, number 11. 
they're ranked right now. And then they play uh, Florida too in, in a few weeks. So a lot of big games coming up for them and we'll see if they can continue their, uh, their good play. Uh, Perkins, have you been to any more games yet? I guess uh, they've, been, they've been on the road, huh? They've been on the road quite a bit. So the first one back that I could go to uh, is Villanova. However, or not Villanova, sorry, they're on the road. Yeah. But uh, the one they have Kansas City at OU. So yeah. I will be at that one. That's the six, but I believe it was like a Monday or Tuesday. Um, I will be at that one, 7 p.m. I will also do my best to be at Florida mm-hmm. and Texas. Nice. So yeah, first game. I'm gonna, gonna try to catch all of them because they play number two Texas and uh in a couple weeks they play number eleven, but it's at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So but the Texas Oklahoma game should be a ton of fun. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it should so. be. The Arkansas game is in uh is actually in Tulsa at the BOK. Oh, that's good. So that'll be fun. I think they did that last year too, but they did. Um, the new um, it's a new thing that they're actually doing. I think they've renewed it for a few more years after this. Good, good. Um, I like that. But it's fun. Thought... It's a point for both of them. It's about two hours for both of them. So yeah, I always thought I they should. Uh, really, all sports, but especially football and basketball. I thought I think the OU and OSU should play Arkansas every year. Just being so close. Um, yeah. But yeah. They so... not go to the Texas Oklahoma game. But uh, and uh, in football, I'd love to see it just so some of these Arkansas fans would just uh, get their mouth shut a little bit (laughs) because the one time they've ever played, they're one and zero against OU. So, Uh, and they're like, "Well, we're way better than you. We're even the years when we're like twelve and zero, going to twelve championship. They're like, we're way better. We beat you one time thirty years ago." Yeah, and we play in the SEC, and you don't. Well, that's yeah. about to change. So, so we shall see. You're probably gonna play. Oh, he's probably gonna play Arkansas every year once they go over there. Yeah, that'll be an easy win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so OU looking good. OSU looking uh, better uh, this past week. They played Tulsa on Friday night in Stillwater and won eighty-two fifty-six uh, in a game. wasn't ever really close. That's what we needed to see from OSU. Um, second half, they really ran away. They're up 12 at halftime, but they ran away in the second half. And Bryce Thompson was, uh, pretty good. He had 18 points in that, that game. And then they played Prairie View A&M on Sunday on the, this game was one point lead for OSU at halftime. So not quite the same as the Tulsa game. I was a little worried, but the second half they opened with a 12 0 run and, uh, ended up winning 78 53. So, um, that's what you need to do against these bad non-conference teams is, is you need to win by 20 or more. And that's what they're doing uh, now. So uh, in that game, they had four guys over 10 points. So uh, pretty good uh, for them. Bryce Thompson had 13 in that game. So, um, and one dude that's really impressing me is Tyreek Smith. This is a guy that transferred in last year. And I think he, I want to say he transferred from Texas tech, um, before last season but these last three games he's averaged 10 points and six rebounds and he's 13 of 14 shooting which a lot of his uh shots are at the rim or near the rim but still impressive to you know finish 13 of 14 and 
he's also blocking shots and playing really good defense. So he's one of those guys that, uh, especially in the Big Twelve, um, you need guys that can kind of do everything, a little bit of little bit of everything offensively and defensively. And um, he's one of those big energy guys uh, that you're going to need in some of these tough conference games. Because the Big 12, uh, for like the third or fourth straight year, they're probably the toughest conference top to bottom in, in basketball. Um, so OU or OSU is looking better, and they have a huge test this week. Thursday night, I believe they're playing at UConn, and UConn is undefeated, number eight in the country right now. And they are beating teams by an average of 24 points per game. They beat... Oregon by 24. They beat Alabama, who's ranked 18th. Uh, they beat them by 15, and then they just beat Iowa State by 18. So some good teams in there, not just a bunch of terrible teams, but some good teams in there, and they are just destroying everybody. So that's kind of a scary game, but also a game that uh, we will see what OSU looks like going up against a, a good team and how how good their defense can play. OSU's defense is their, uh, their strong point it's it's their strength of, of what they're doing right now and UConn scores 84 points a game so it's going to be a great offense against OSU's good defense and we'll see uh, what they look like in that they're probably going to try to keep it lower scoring they want to win a game you know 64 to 60 if it gets into the 80s that's not a game that OSU has the shooting to to win so uh, hopefully they can keep it a little uh, dirty and you know, muck it up and keep it a, a lower scoring game and try to come out with a win on the road there. That would be a huge, huge non-conference win to get them some momentum going into conference schedule. Um, Tulsa, as I mentioned, they're, uh, they got beat pretty bad by OSU and they're now two and four. Uh, that was their only game this last week. Uh, but then they have ORU on Saturday. They play, uh, at Tulsa and ORU is four and three. Um, they played Utah State pretty close on the road this past week. It was actually tied with about three minutes left. Uh, but then Utah State went on a 10 0 run and kind of closed the game down and, and uh, they won 95 85. So it was a high scoring game that uh, ORU just could not come away with the victory there. Um, but then they came around and played Roger State on Sunday. Roger State is a small uh, college there in uh, Claremore. Um, it's a not a not a school that ORU should lose to at all, and they were actually down by one at halftime uh, to Roger State. So not a good sign there. They did take control in the second half and won eighty-one to seventy. But um, you know that's the kind of game you as ORU you should probably win that by thirty, and you won it by eleven. So uh, ORU and Tulsa both not looking great. Um, and then they play each other on Saturday. Uh, so we'll see kind of who uh, shows that they're not the worst team in the state uh, out of our our four big teams. And, uh, yeah, so that's it. I mean, basketball just kind of heating up. Um, Thunder looking good. Shea Gilligis-Alexander is looking like an all-star. And they have a lot of young guys that are are playing well. They're winning games and losing games. They're not, they're not doing great, but they're also not losing every game. So it's it's been a more enjoyable season so far than it has been the last couple of years. For me, though, 
Like, I either want them to lose all their games or to be really hyper competitive. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't want this. Like, I don't want a lottery pick at like 13. Like, it's, it's not going to get you anybody. Like, I, 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 want, I want a pick. Like, if we're going to lose, I want the number one pick. But if we're going to win, then let's go win. So, but that's, that's, that's probably just me. No, I mean, I'm with you. I think it's, I mean, if, if Chet was playing right now and they were doing this, I would, uh, I would probably be a little more kind of worried about it. But the fact that they basically get the number two pick in the draft next year on top of whatever pick they end up with, I think that gives fans a little bit more to kind of, uh, cling to. And if they win, you know, 30 games or whatever, then, and they get the twelfth pick or something. It's not so bad, but I'm with you though. I've I've been on the the train of let's just let's tank while we can, and because I mean Shea is obviously looking really good, and then some of these young guys are playing much better than anybody expected. So um, I don't think they can tank much longer. So I think they need to lose as many games as they can now. But I, what I want is lose competitively, which that's kind of what they've been doing. They've lost several games here in the last couple of weeks they've lost by um you know just a few points so i think a couple of overtime games even they've lost so uh it's just it's nice to have enjoyable basketball because the last two years they've they've tanked and they've also just not been competitive at all and it's just been like why are we even watching this so they got a lot of fun players and they're and they're at least making it interesting so um so it's fun fun for the thunder um I hate to end on sad news, but my roughers lost in the state semifinals last Friday to Choctaw, forty-five to twenty. And this was a uh, a game that reminded me a lot of Bedlam. Muskogee was basically OSU in Bedlam because Choctaw drove right down and scored to start the game. And then Muskogee threw a pass that got intercepted and returned for a touchdown. And Choctaw also like barely ever kicks field goals, so they went for two point conversions on both of, excuse me, both of these and got it. So basically, like three or four minutes into the game, it's sixteen to nothing, and Muskogee's offense could kind of started to get stuff going, but then couldn't convert. And Choctaw scored again a few minutes later, and it's twenty three to nothing. And it was just like, oh well, we can't come back from this. And they tried. I mean, they, I think they got it within like. 14 or 17 at a certain point, but through a few interceptions and defense just could not stop Choctaw's offense. They have a, a really good quarterback who can kind of do it all. Uh, he's good on the ground and all that. So it was, uh, it was tough. They don't get to play uh, Stillwater for the championship this week, unfortunately, to try to get revenge for that loss a few weeks ago, but they finished with a 10 and two record and a lot of positives going into next season. And just about everybody's coming back. They're losing a few senior starters, but uh, for the most part, they have a, a lot of guys coming back. So I'm looking forward to uh, to next year with the Rappers. Yep. Um, that, they had a really good year. They they overshot expectations for this year, so that's that's something that's good for them. Um, so that, that's exciting to see a local team do that. Um just so you guys are aware, Fort Gibson is still undefeated in the playoffs. They still have not lost. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
Um, but we do actually have another local team in Wagner that has made the state finals. Yeah. Um, then Gore also has, I think they're actually in the state semis. I don't know. Uh, the small school stuff gets me confused sometimes. So, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, some cool stuff. And then, uh, Bigsby goes, go aheads and goes ahead and beats Jinx. Um, so they'll be back in the state finals. They'll probably win another one. And, uh, they play Owasso, which they beat by 40 to start the season. So mm-hmm. should be a close one. Yeah. Yeah. Wagner, uh, back to Wagner, they play Cushing and Cushing has, they're basically the Bixby of 4A this year because they beat everybody by 40 points or more. So they've already beaten Wagner this year yeah. by a lot. So yeah, it, it should 4A was basically playing for second place this year. Yeah, they but, beat Wagner. They beat Wagner forty-two to nothing. Yep, earlier in the year. So that that's um, impressive. A yeah. state final that team that you beat forty-two to nothing. Yeah. So, hey, by the way, uh, real time. I just checked, and as we spoke of, the Thunder just lost another game, one hundred five to one hundred one to the Pelicans. So. They're being competitive, but they're losing very close games. So that's what I like to see. Ooh. Anyway, um, and Shea had 31 points, so good on Shea. But yeah, lots of uh, high school championship games this week and conference championships in, in college. Um, I would say it's normally an exciting time for at least one of the Oklahoma teams and this year it's just not. So back to sadness. Yep. Unfortunately, but anyway, um, that's all I got really this week. If you guys have anything else you want to talk about. No, that's, that's pretty much it for me. Um, I've lost uh, two straight weeks in fantasy or not two straight weeks, but I've lost multiple games this year where, um, in fantasy football where my uh my opponent has a running back go off for 50 plus points thank you Josh Jacobs um so yeah that's that's just dumb but it is what it is unless my, Jonathan Taylor can uh can go off for 30 points in the next quarter then uh, I I think I I've probably lost this week so my only chance at winning will not return to the game with an abdominal injury. So I lost two. Well, yeah, you guys suck. he started uh with uh he started pretty well. He got a touchdown. I haven't checked the points. I already know I lost. So well, I am gonna win this week and I'm moving to ten and two and have the best record in my league. So there you go. I needed to win this week to have playoff hopes. Hmm. Same. I still have like slim, slim hopes because a lot of people lost, but yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a tough climb from here. It's the so. climb. It's all about the climb, right? All right, Miley Cyrus. Well, thought I'd try to fit in with the pop culture stuff with Perkins. Oh, uh, by a song a that came out twelve years, years ago. ago. Yeah. But for 2012, man, you nailed it. Oh, thanks, man. 
That was my year. That was my time. <laughs> well, all right. Yep. Well, I guess that'll do for this week. It was a kind of depressing pod, but uh, yep. it is what it is. We'll we'll move on. Hopefully, we have a good bowl season and uh, a much better year next year. So, um, until next time, we will see you guys later. Is that it? Okay. Is that how depressed we are? Well, you said we'll see you guys later. Yeah, like, like we're about I, to thought finish. Had, I thought you had like so much more to say, and then you just kind yeah. of stopped, like, oh, that's it. Oh, we're done. Okay. <laughs> no. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> Go folks. Tulsa chant. Boomer sooner. <laughs>